What is good, everybody, man? Appreciate y'all tuning in to the Blue Bloods Coach's Corner Edition. A big, big week. Coach, man, I mean, the SWAC, possibly the MEAC, Big South OVC. I mean, P Patriot, Pioneer, MVFC. I mean, there's so many conferences that can get locked up this weekend, depending on the situation, man. But here, my co-host, my guy, Coach Fred, man, getting ready for a big Sunday game. This weekend against Texas Southern, man, coach, how we feeling? Man, feeling good, man. Uh, good week of practice. Got one more day before we have to take that trip on Saturday. Uh, just trying to get the guys' body clock right. Uh, nice little trip to Houston ahead of us, but uh, feeling good about it. Again, like you said, to uh, to feel good after a Thursday practice with your game plan is uh, you know uh, a plus. Uh, helps you to sleep a little bit easier uh the next two nights anyway so just for just for the people man i listen i've already said my piece on it i'm sure yourself coach mcnair have y'all's own thoughts how much has this sunday game now that you guys have had a little bit more time to plan how has it shifted your preparation next week for jackson given that y'all are playing on sunday this week um it, it adds a little bit more to us um uh, because of the travel the travel element after the game on Sunday, uh, knowing that you have a, a short week uh, to get ready for Saturday. So, you know, you try to, uh, the motto is, you know, one at a time. So you try to hold to that as best you can. Uh, but you also know that, you know, Sunday, win, lose, or draw, uh, win, very short celebration because on the way back, while the kids are sleeping, you're probably going to be up going through something on your computer, uh, some type of breakdown to make sure once you get here on Monday morning that, uh, you know, you guys are ready to go and you're not a day behind, uh, not two days behind because you'll end up being a day behind. So it's tough. Um, you know, we wish we could be playing tomorrow, Friday, uh, but, you know, powers of B said, no, going to be Sunday. So, you know, you got to take it and move on and, and, and make it a positive. And hopefully the positive is uh, after Sunday, around 6 o'clock, I'm calling you or texting you again with all exclamation points uh, for that for that win. So I know I know the best case scenario for you guys would be just to clinch it this weekend. That'd be the best case. We had the show oh, Monday. Yeah. You, you send me one of those hats with you, man. We both rocked the... The, the division champ hat on the show and we get me and you get ready to travel in two weeks man we get to meet up probably do a live show in tallahassee but i'm so Most looking definitely. forward to that man, I, I am I'm, the coach. I'm pulling for it pulling for it I, I know you're prepared for a game but let's get into some storylines before we get to predictions game breakdowns coach i don't know if you've seen social media today i know you've been busy but there is a debate that has kind of taken over hbcu swack twitter today i hadn't and seen it it came from Jared Hoffman who writes for HBCU sports. And it was, he wrote an article that said that, he, that in his opinion, TC Taylor should get strong consideration for coach of the year in the swag. And there has been an uproar on both sides in terms of one side arguing, you have to give it to Willie because he hasn't gotten it yet. And this is a guy who's what lost five games over the past, what, three, four years now. And I mean, he's beaten every team but Southern by double digits this year that they've played in conference. 
undefeated in the conference. But then there's the other argument where people are saying no coach had to handle the, the turnover that TC did, had the challenge that TC did. And then you kind of got the small minority. All corn fans are the best fans, in my opinion. I, I love all corn <laughs> fans. They'll I'm just like kind of chirp, like chirping quietly and say, what about Fred McNair? Like, why doesn't Fred McNair getting in this conversation? Because if, because if Alcorn wins the swag, how do you not give it to Fred McNair as well? Even though I do think it's voted for before, before the swag championship. So I don't know if I, I think it'll probably be Willie, but coach your thoughts on this, because I really didn't think that this was a huge debate, but man, it, it popped off today on social media. Uh, before I say this, I'm, I'm putting out the disclaimer that, me and you, we have a relationship with Coach Taylor. Uh, yes. Absolutely love him. Uh, great guy. So let me get that out there. No hate, none of that. But when you're talking about this, um, the the other guy's undefeated. Everybody he had to play, he beat. Um, he's heading to the championship game. I get it. I, myself, if I had a vote, I just feel like you have to mark coach Simmons uh, just because of the award and what it is, because we've had this debate before, kind of when you're talking MVP, does the MVP have to be on the best team or is it truly an MVP coach of the year? Uh, because if we're saying coach of the year, I mean, the guy at Valley would have a, a valid argument as well, uh, you know, for what he had to endure, if that's what we're saying. Uh, my boss has an argument if we're talking about what he had to endure. Um, so, but if you're going by the, the rule, letter of the law of what it says, coach of the year, it has to be coach Simmons. Now uh, I, I'm, I'm with you on this because I, I get both sides of it. Like if, when I, when I hear the argument, I can be on either side. Like I understand how big of a challenge coach, it was. Yeah. It. First year kids hit the portal. It, I get it. And it's completely different because, I like, me, when me and you talked about National Coach of the Year, we kind of had this debate, too. Like, Jimmy Rogers is a first-year head coach, but nobody left. Like, that, he got the national championship team to stay with him in Brookings, which is just insane to think about. But when you look at what TC had to come into, it was, what, 50-plus players? Hit the portal. Or something. Hit the yeah. portal, and you lose your starting quarterback. You lose Shane Hooks. You lose Willis Patrick. Niles Gaddy ends up transferring out. There's so many pieces you missed. It's just for me. I know this shouldn't come into account, but I'm I'm talking as a voter would think if Willie Simmons doesn't get it this year, when do you give it to him? What does he have to do? He just went undefeated. Yeah. Um. I, I mean, like, what else? What else is there to do? I mean. You went undefeated in the SWAC, only had one game within single digits as of right now, which they play Lincoln this weekend, probably not a, a single-digit win. And then you play Bethune, who has played better as of late, but I still think they get that one by double digits. It's a Florida Classic. They're going to be up for that game. What else does he have to do to earn it? I understand the challenge of TC, so I don't hate that argument. It's just at this point, Willie didn't win it his first year in the SWAC, even though he was 9-2. and two. Then went at the second year in the swag, nine and two again. <laughs> now he finally gets over the hump where everyone would argue he didn't deserve it the past two years because he didn't win at all. Now he did exactly what you're asking for, but now we got to take other coaches into account based on their challenges because you can make an argument. Eddie Robb had a tough time last year. He first year head coach 
finished third in the division, played really, really well, had some turnover as, to deal with. Dooley, first-year head coach, a, a lot of new pieces came into Southern, took them to the SWAC championship, but no one wanted to consider that because of the guy yeah. that was it, yeah. yeah in Jackson. So I get both sides. I just don't know how you don't give it to Willie because, I mean, Willie's going to be up for National Coach of the Year this year. I really, I really think that. And I think the stronger debate would be is if there was an HBCU coach of the year, and this is where the group chat I'm in for HBCU Nightly went crazy today. Who would you give the HBCU coach of the year to? Chinnis Berry, Trey Oliver, or Willie Simmons? My vote would be Chinnis, Coach Berry. Um, two undefeated seasons back-to-back. Uh, impressive undefeated seasons. Um, I, I think you would have to do that just because of what you're saying and to back go back on what you just finished if it was the rule for last year's coach to be coach of the year you can't change it up now yeah i mean just because of who it is you can't change it up now uh said coach went undefeated in the conference uh only had one loss you know blah 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 same thing coach Simmons has you know what i mean now if you come out and say, oh, our schedule wasn't this, this, and this, okay, that might have a little merit, you know, a couple of D2 schools on there, yada, yada, yada. Yeah. But still, he won the games he had to win, and that's the games that was on the schedule up to this point, like you said. And technically, Dion won it in 2021 with a terrible win over Delta State. They, they, they had to get a goal line stand to beat Delta State that no one talks about, too. So, I like, I don't think right. the D2 thing – it, like the Lincoln game is the one that I get caught up on. Like this week, like Coach Willie's benching his starting quarterback because they're so confident they can beat Lincoln. I, I just, right. I mean, it's ridiculous. Like that's how bad of a game that is. But it's just, it's just tough, man. Like I, I think you give it to Willie because I, I think he deserves it, man. And I think TC did a hell of a job, and he can go win it next year. And I will say this will be a stronger argument. I know you don't want to hear this. If Jackson beats Alcorn this argument kind of changes. That's a lot stronger resume because right now they only have one win over a team above 500. Winning that game would help, but I think the conversation ends if TC loses next weekend. Seven and four to me is not going to get it done. No, and I mean, you know, at the end of the day, if FAM wins the Florida Classic, we already know they're going to win this weekend. I know everybody says, oh, you know, any given Saturday. No. No. Not this Saturday. Not for them. Um, <laughs> Any given Saturday other than this Saturday. Other than this Saturday for them. You you have to. And like you said, it's voted for before the championship game. The resume is is what it is. Uh, his resume is the same as the last coach of the year. I don't and unless we're changing it. It has to, you know, it has to go to Tallahassee. I agree. Hey, coach, man, your storylines for week eleven. Week 11, my neck of the woods, um, and it's going to sound crazy, but does Southern let the Alcorn loss beat them twice? Um, you know, how do they respond to that? Because there was, you know, a lot of high hopes coming into that game for them. Um, there's still a lot in front of them, so to speak. So the game for them is to not let this game beat them twice. So that's going to be, you know, the interesting storyline on, on, on in my neck of the woods. And then the other one that I have, man, is, you know, a very, very proud program, North Dakota State. You know, what do we do? You know, 
this is, and I know we're going to talk about it, but this is, uh, this is a must-have game to me. Uh, just because you have to make a statement. You, you, can't, you can't spit and sputter in this game. You got to come out. You got to make a statement. So those are the two. And then Tennessee State, you know, you were, you were on that bandwagon like the guy from uh, OU when they come out oh. hanging from the back of it with the Tennessee State flag, all that. So they've got to come back, man, and rebound after that loss. So those are my three to, uh, to really look at going uh, into this weekend's ballgame. Yeah, I mean, the the Southland Conference would be so interesting because does Nichols kind of sleepwalk coming into this weekend after a big upset win over mm-hmm. Incarnate Word? Knowing that they could drop a game and still control their destiny, that would be interesting. Then also, I just – I hate that the committee doesn't release a weekly top ten. They only released that one because I still want to know, how do they view Incarnate Word? Because, Coach, they're gonna they're probably going to finish 9-2. and two. But they got a win over North American, a forfeit win that doesn't technically count on their resume. So what? There's six, seven wins. D one. Yeah. Is that enough to get in? Like, or can you keep a nine and two team out of the playoffs? Because here's here's the dilemma. And coach, we kind of talked about this a few weeks ago when we talked about bad versus good losses. Is a stronger strength of schedule, with your signature win technically being a signature loss, better? than not having a signature win, but not having like a tragic loss. Like that's the, that's the debate here is like, it's a nine and two incarnate word team with a, with a below 80 strength of schedule, no signature wins. Is that resume better than let's say Youngstown state, if they finish seven and four, a top five win over Southern Illinois and a close loss to South Dakota state this weekend. and, And you know, my stance on this, I mean, I don't, I don't get into the I don't know how you get into the, the the ugly win versus the ugly, you know, loss. The uh it it's just gonna be tricky to see how they view the forfeit and then like you said, the signature or lack thereof signature win. And if you do it for one what are you going to do with other teams that fall off into that category that may have a slightly better record or the same record? Uh, you know, what happens, like you said, with, uh, with Youngstown, Youngstown come in and lose this game by three. Uh, how are you viewing them now? So again, like you said, the fact that there wasn't a back-to-back type poll, it'll be interesting to see after this weekend how everything unfolds. And then I guess it'll give you a clear view on how they actually view certain wins versus certain losses and things like that. I also, I'm torn on this. I really am. Coach, and I want to ask your opinion on this, and then we'll get to our predictions. We're about 15 minutes in. The committee has said that they, when they, when they tally up ranked wins, they use ranked at the time of the game played, mm-hmm. which means – Elon has that William and Mary win top five, even though William and Mary is not the top 25 right now, top five win over Delaware, regardless of what happens with Delaware, Delaware, the rest of the season, Weber state counts as a ranked win for some teams. Is there a balance? Because some people make the argument you have to do ranked at the time because that loss could have been the difference between that team being in the top 25 and not. So like Sanford, if they don't lose to Western Carolina, they're probably in the top 20 right now. They're like just outside. So is that win value a little bit less just because they lost to the team that you don't want to give them the credit anymore? But then you also have 
situations like ETSU last year, preseason top 10, Sanford gets a big win over them. They jump way up high, but then Kennesaw State, ETSU, they finished with like two, three wins last year. So obviously those don't count. So is it a balance of if you have a ranked win at the time and they finish with six, seven, eight wins, then yeah, that's still a good win per se. But if that team falls completely off, I don't see how you give them credit for that ranked win. And it kind of goes back to what you were saying uh, a few shows ago. You start the season, Blue Bloods University starts the season as top five um, off of what happened the previous year. And I catch you in week three uh, after you've played uh, the California team and after you've played Florida Memorial. And I boat race you. So you go from five to ten. We know how the, the poll kind of works. Now you come up against Alcorn State and you lose again. Now you go from 10 to 15. So what I'm saying is by the time you get to your fifth game, the real you showed up now. And you started the year fifth. And now going into week six, you are not even ranked anymore. So how should my win versus you count more in week three versus somebody that beats you in week eight. I don't know how you balance that. So I think that's yeah. where the problem is going to run in. My biggest problem with it is if a team slips up early, like let's say like it didn't happen, but let's say Western Carolina loses a game early and then goes on to have the season they did, the team that beat them wouldn't get the same type of credit that Furman would have gotten. Like, that's the issue for me is, like, it, it it gives you no wiggle room for breakout teams because no one saw Western Carolina coming. No one saw Lafayette coming. And we know Western Carolina hasn't gotten any respect because no. uh, they beat a ranked, uh, ranked Sanford team. And, and now that win. They got, what, receiving votes after that kind of thing because me and yeah. you were both on that bandwagon and, what, they pulled two wins, two big mm -hmm. wins back-to-back -back weeks and got zero to little love. So I just, you know, again, I think this is something that needs to be uh, reshaped, uh, looked into at the end of the year. You can't change it now, but I think this is a process that has to be changed as far as the way votes go, the way the committee looks at it at the end. Because again, you start out top 10, we know it's gonna take you a minute, even if you lose three times to get out of the top 25. Yeah, that goes back to the conversation we had, what, week three or four? Well, it might have, it might have been even before that. Voters. I know, This is a tough thing to say because there's some people that don't believe you should do this. Uh, Coach, it's week, what, what week is it, 11? I start my ballot blank every week. Still, it's week 11. And, like, it turns out to be kind of similar because by week 11, you should kind of have it figured out. But this year is unique. I started blank, Coach, because the top five's kind of there, right? We know Montana State, Furman, Idaho, South Dakota State. South Dakota's right there. Montana, like, you know who's there. But I would argue, what, seven through probably 16? There's probably an argument to have it every team in every slot depending on what you value. And then you got 18 through probably like 40, I would say maybe 30, that you could rank in any way that you want. So I think voters have to let their preseason expectations go because I, I'm with you. Once you have three to four weeks of film, excluding an FBS game, 
if you go and play Bama, I'm not taking that film into consideration for how I feel you're going to perform against the FCS. But after your third or fourth FCS opponent, we kind of know what you are. Yeah, you should know. Um, We know as coaches, so, I mean, you definitely should know. Um, As voters, if you're paying attention, then you should definitely know that Blue Bloods University lost 30 seniors from the year before, and we brought them back as number five. You know, now they're playing with 30 freshmen and 30 sophomores, so they're not going to be the same team. You know, that kind of thing. You should know that information going in. And then, you know, like you said, it'll never happen, but we've got to figure out to start rankings later uh, because the team can benefit from something that they did last year. And another team uh, wouldn't benefit because of what they did last year. So, you know, it's, it's double-edged. You and my boy Timothy – Got to get with them people and figure out how to get this thing straightened out. Yeah, uh, def- definitely got to do that. Coach, let's get in our two games of the weeks real quick before we get into Super Dogs. Game of the week. I picked this one, Coach. I get that there's two top 10 or top 15 matchups according to the quote-unquote stats poll. But for me, I had Youngstown at 10. I'm much higher on Youngstown than than some other people. So that's why I picked this one as our game of the week. Number one, South Dakota State coach. Goes on the road again up to Youngstown, number 22 in the country, number 10 in my eyes. I think this, t- this team's got a top 10 resume. Can Youngstown State shock the world on Saturday morning, 11 a.m. kickoff? Uh, no, uh, they can make it interesting, but I don't think they uh, I don't think they pull this one off, man. Again, you're just running into a, a buzzsaw that I think has something to uh, to prove. And again, we've talked about this, uh, seems like every week when we bring them up, this team is one of those teams that know how to get it done on the road. Uh, They have the guy in MG controlling the offense. And, you know, when you have that guy that can control it, because I'm sure Youngstown's gonna pack it out, uh, but that's not gonna be anything to him. Uh, A veteran signal caller, they get the running game going, they know how to play off of it. But I will be interested to see what Youngstown tries to take away uh, from these guys to give themselves an opportunity, uh, you know, to give MD a chance to bring them uh, close uh, at the end, you know. But I just think it's too much SDST uh, for them to pull this off, man. I will say the reason I do think this game is interesting is because Youngstown has played so well at home this year. Their F because they played Ohio State, not taking that one to account. They lost to UNI on the road. They lose to South Dakota by three on the road. Their two law- FCS losses are by three points. So they've played the top competition really well. They beat Southern Illinois 31 to three at home. They, they have a big win against Illinois State at home. When they go on the road, this seems a different team. And a coach, you say, what are they going to take away? They're going to take away the run. They have played their front seven has played outstanding this year, allowing less than 100 yards per game on the ground, less than four yards per carry. The question I do have, we've talked about the balance of the South Dakota State team. You're facing a team that has a really good defensive line, a lot of experience up there. They've really struggled against the pass, allowing over almost 250 per game, 21 passing touchdowns, and they've only forced five picks. Do you, I know the DNA of this team is an experienced offensive line, talented running back, and we're going to throw 20, 18 times a game, and we're going to be efficient. 
do you let Gronowski kind of do you let do you let him loose this weekend? Because you have the advantage against Youngstown secondary. You got the Yankee twins. Griffin Wild is a is an outstanding freshman wide receiver. Hines at tight end. You have the weapons. You have the experienced quarterback who's not going to be shaken by the environment. Man, I to me, I say you let Gronowski go out there and ball out. This is his this is his game to put up those stats. I think you play you play the way you've been playing. And if at the early stages of it, they take away what's your bread and butter, the run game. You know you have a veteran guy that can can get going what you're talking about doing. And they have enough defense to, uh, if they stall out a little bit till he can catch his rhythm, the defense can kind of keep a minute. Um, but to just say, you know, we're going to let MG come out and, and run and shoot this thing, um, I don't – they could because they have the guys on the outside to do it. And that tight end is a matchup nightmare. Um, I don't think people understand, uh, you know, putting him versus a linebacker is not going to work for you. Uh, no. Safety is going to be tough. Uh, you almost have to bring in a nickel, uh, a dime-type corner. But that takes away from what you do defensively. So I think if, if they start to struggle, I think they open it up and let him do his thing. But I think they just kind of come in on the road. Hey, we're going to run rough shot on you, do what we do, play action that thing. And I'd be surprised if they throw it more than 18 times a game, this game. Yeah, I, I, I like it. I, okay. But I get what you're saying, getting prepared. I, I say try it, but yeah. I, I would say try it early. But if Because Youngstown is good defensively. If they do slow down the running, you're not having early success, man, work off that play action and let, and let Gronowski do his thing. Because I, I think, it. yeah, you have to, and and like you said, listen, Zach Hines is six seven two sixty and can get up the field deep. Like, what do you do with that? Yeah, I, no linebackers running with that. Not not many. No. Let me change that. Not many linebackers is running. And with that. and even if they can run with him, there's not there. Who's in, in a jump three, ball situation? They're six three at best. <laughs> Nobody has a six seven linebacker out there. Nobody. And then if you put a linebacker, and then if you put a safety on him, it better be a damn physical safety because at six seven two sixty, he's bullying like ninety percent of safeties at college football right now. It's oh, just it's, it's just tough, a problem. Tough, and then you got tough. the Yankee, you got the Yankee twins, a a bunch of experience. I, I will say though, the matchup for me, Mitch Davidson has played really well at quarterback. And I understand you've got to have a good quarterback to win these type of games. Listen, Bryce Oliver is one of my favorite wide receivers in FCS football, but you have to run the football this weekend. Coach, I understand people want to uh, – like quarterbacks, like the, the sexy position everyone wants to talk about. It's all about the quarterbacks. This weekend, if Youngstown State does not run the football for 100-plus yards and is efficient running the football, they don't have a chance to win. You have to run the football because my thing is – you have to kind of you have to take that momentum that that time eating possession type offense way get South Dakota State off schedule. That's the key, and you do that by running the football, controlling the controlling the pace of the game, and then letting your defensive line create negative plays. South Dakota State is so good on both sides of the ball because their offense stays in front of the chains. They're hardly ever in third and longs and their defense does not allow explosive plays and they keep everything in front of them and they're very efficient tackling as a unit. That's the key that that's what they do. Like, like we've talked about coach. They don't, they aren't leading the league in interceptions. They don't get to the quarterback 
at a, at a high rate. They don't have any stat patterns on that defense. Everyone just does their job. And I, it's so boring and it's so Bill Belichickian. But there's a reason he won all those Super Bowls. At, <laughs> at, at the end of the day, it works. But Tyshawn King is my X factor in this game. He has the ability to take over games. Nobody's really been able to establish the run against South Dakota State, maybe over the past two years, outside of maybe Montana State like three years ago, but that was it. Tyshawn King has to run the football, and they have to get pressure on the quarterback and win the line of scrimmage, and it's such a tough matchup. But defensively for South Dakota State, if you take away the run, man, you could just do what you do. No explosive plays through the air and tackle. Worst case, you might get a field goal. And guess what? We're going to go down to score seven and take nine minutes off the clock when we get the ball back. Recipe. It, it's, it's so I'll, – I'll say this. I've been to a game. I've watched them on TV every single week. If you're not a true football fan, you're calling them boring, but it's a master clinic every week. It's just a uh, – it's a recipe for a regular pound cake. Not yeah. the <laughs> pound cake with the drizzle icing. Not, it's just a regular – Pound cake, and who doesn't like pound cake, right? That's what you get. It's it's no sprinkles, no icing. It's just regular pound cake. So, coach, seventeen point favorites for South Dakota State this weekend on the road. Give me your pick, man. Do they cover that seventeen, or does Youngstown make it interesting? Uh, Youngstown makes it interesting. Uh, but you know, I got South Dakota State winning this one 30 21. Ooh, I, I like the pick. I'm with you. I don't think South Dakota State covers the 17 on the road. They had a little bit of trouble with Southern Illinois on the road. This Youngstown team plays really well at home. I like the Jacks. Oh, gosh. Give I, I like them 31 21 this weekend over Youngstown State on the road, man. So I'm, I'm going to take the Jacks, even though I do think Youngstown is a good enough team to make this thing close early. Coach, HBCU game of the week. We know what the SWAC is. There's not many good games this weekend in the SWAC, like super, super important ones. We're going to go to the MEAC this week for our HBCU game of the week. Number seven, North Carolina Central traveling to Howard. It's the battle of the real rings versus the fake rings. Trey Oliver is going to make this personal about MEAC Media Day. Coach, is there any way Howard bounces back from a shocking loss last week to Buddy Pugh in South Carolina State and knocks off North Carolina Central and Trey Oliver this weekend? Man, I just don't see it. Um, I think it's, a much, it's as much about last week as it is this week. Um, I feel like if they pull that off last week, then it sets up for a much better week of practice, much more focus. Uh, you know, everything's closed off. But I think they've spent the week hearing about what happened last week. And you can't waste a day or, you know, a practice thinking about last week when you've got DR and crew coming to, t- you know, coming to town. You can't do that. And I just don't think they have enough offense to keep up with NCCU. Uh, you know, last week, before last week, I would have said that they could do this. Um, it's going to be personal. It's at home. You know, I always give favor to the home team um, in these type of matchups. But this one here, uh, there's no reason to think that NCCU won't come in focused and ready to destroy these guys uh, because of the ring situation. Now, I would love to be there. 
to see if there's going to be some signs or there's going to be something said in pregame, you know, or the Howard kids going to come out with their rings or what, you know, that kind of thing. Uh, I would love to be there just to see that. But I just don't think much past the uh, the kickoff that this is even going to be a uh, serious contest just because DR and crew and uh, Coach Oliver have something to prove. I think the entire game is decided on whether Howard can stop the run. Because, Coach, when you've got Latrell Collier, when you've got probably the best dual-threat quarterback in HBCU, arguably FCS football, the worst possible matchup you can have is a team that can't stop the run. Because, I listen, Trey Oliver is going to have no problem just running the football down Howard's throat. Like, he, like, there's some coaches who would maybe try to open it up through the air. Trey Oliver's not that guy. <coughs> Excuse me. I mean, why would you stop? You have the best quarterback in HBC football coach. This just seems like a terrible matchup, but I, I want to get your coaching perspective. How does Howard get their guys refocused after a loss like that last week? Like, what? How do you approach that as a coaching staff? I think you got to break it down. You got to go all the way back to fundamentals. You've got to point out where you lost it at, um, and you've got to focus on that in the week of practice while trying to work on what's coming up. You know. Uh, coming to town, but you've got to go back to the fundamental part of it. Hey, we lost last week because of this. Now we get this fixed. We know who we are. We know we can compete with these guys. Um, but like you said, if they can't get the ground game rolling or they can't get explosive play after explosive play to get up uh, a couple scores and put a little pressure on uh, DR and the boys, I just don't think three and out, three and out, three and out is the way to go. And yeah. that's kind of what happened to Howard last week. They got up, got in a rut, and couldn't get out of it. You can't get in ruts and stay there versus this team because you'll look up. Uh, South Carolina State can tell you. You'll look up, and you'll be down 21 nothing, uh, and you're on your fourth, third, and out in a row. And, you know, that, that, that just spells uh, doom. The interesting thing, though, and I I didn't know this stat till I was doing kind of some research for this game. Central has allowed a hundred plus yards rushing in every single game but one this year. Mm. Yeah. That's a lot of rushing yards, and especially coming into this game when Howard's going to have to run the ball. You have Eden James, Jarrett Hunter, Ian Willard. I mean, they'll even get Casey Hawthorne involved at wide receiver. If, if Howard can find a way to take the game out of Quentin Williams' hands and put it into that loaded running back room with an offensive line that has talent, if you can shorten up the game, you can keep it close. Like, it Which must, game my, did they not give it up? Oh, uh, let me, let me double check. It was on the seventh. Hang on. Elon. Okay. And that was one that they uh, – Yeah, they gave up. caught in. No, no, no. They beat Elon to death. That was uh they allowed 82 yards no, on no, 43 no, carries against yeah. Elon. So Valley, Valley got a hundred. Um Yeah. But Winston Salem got a hundred. North Carolina AT got a hundred. Um Morgan and Central ended up with that, right? Yeah. So other than the Campbell game. That stat, I get what you're saying, but, you know, that stat, um, I think they'll live with with the outcomes that they've had on those games. 
Yes, I absolutely. Valley ran it to make sure it didn't get into the sevens. Uh, you know, Central uh, State was just trying to get out of there and get off TV. They didn't want their faces on TV anymore, so they were trying to get that clock going. Uh, so I think that's a stat that they'll take. But uh, to your point, man, if Howard gets that going and get up a score or two and can get that running game going, um, we'll harp on it again on the show. The timing rules become your friend. And uh, I think that's the way that they have to kind of approach it. So, Coach, are you taking the Bison this weekend or are you rolling with Central and Trey Oliver on the road? Yeah, I didn't say all that. I was just saying what, <laughs> what could happen or, or what they you know should want to try to get to happen. But, no, nah, I'm taking uh, – I'm taking them in a mean, mean score because they didn't really like that whole real ring versus fake ring thing, man. And we saw what happened in South Carolina State, man, with all the kind you've never beaten this guy, yada, yada, yada. Uh, so I'm going to give this thing 35-17 NCCU. Yeah, I, it, I, it, this has the makings of a blowout. It really does. I just think – I just think – College football is all about matchups. The style, the fight. And, and this is this is a bad matchup for Howard. And like you said, <laughs> at the MEAC championship on the line with all the trash talking at MEAC Media Day, Coach, great coaches find ways to motivate their team. Trey Oliver has Central playing like everyone picked against him in the preseason when they were consensus favorites to win the MEAC. It makes no sense why they're so fired up. So I think they're going to make a statement. I'm with you. I got 38-14 this weekend, Central over Howard. I think they definitely make a statement. Shout out to Scotty, man. Appreciate you tuning in. He said, not Coach Fred, looking like he a part of public enemy with his hat backwards. <laughs> <laughs> so Scotty's going to be in attendance. I, I think, listen, that might be a game where my God leaves at halftime because I think it could get ugly very, very quickly, especially with, yeah, with how they lost to South Carolina State. I, I, I don't know where you go from that. But, Coach, super dog picks. I still got to calculate the scores. I left my notepad in my other room. I'm using another one right now. Coach, give me your super dog picks for week 11. Hey, shout out to the Reddit FCS account for all these early <laughs> lines. Coach, they, they tweeted out. They were like, man, we try our best on these lines. But if we know we know each week if we miss one because it's always, always on the show during our super dogs pick segments, man. So shout out to those guys for tuning in and, and giving us, like, hey, great content, man. I love the spreads because – we know that a lot of bookmakers don't release these till like Saturday. Especially if it's not right, right, right. Yeah. Um, I got two, man, and I just need you to just, just hear me out. I'm running with Morgan State in that spread. I'm running with them in that spread. Uh, let me get back to it. Where is it at? Is it the one and a half? I'm taking them. Uh, that defense... And I know it doesn't look like a lot, but for somebody to say that uh, that that's the deal, I got to take them simply because they lit up the scoreboard last week. I think they got it figured out now. I, I, I hope they got it figured out now. So I'm taking them and hold on to your seat. I'm taking oh, Townsend. What is that spread? Fifth, uh, oh, it's Villanova? I'm taking that. Okay. No, I'm not saying they're going to win, but I'm taking that. It's 16 nothing right now, us, baby. Yeah. I'm taking us right now on that one. Yeah, that's huge. Now, that's an interesting one because Townsend has kind of played spoiler all year in the CAA. 
oh man, the CAA is already just coach. I don't for my health, for Timothy's health, because he writes a playoff article each week. We don't need we don't need Villanova to lose, man. I, I don't even know what the outlook on that playoff <laughs> committee will look like. I just need him not to win by 16. <laughs> Timothy said he's got Utah Tech plus 21 and a half against Austin P this weekend. Austin P went to overtime last week against Eastern Kentucky. Uh, that's a good pick. That's a I good pick, Timothy. I thought uh, about that one, and I thought about the Cookman taking the Cook taking Cookman and running because they've been playing really good. Those they, were, they those honestly, were my outside too. They honestly have. Um, I, I'm gonna go a different direction. I'm gonna go Lamar plus 13 and a half against Nichols. Ooh. I talked earlier, a coach. We talked earlier in the show. This is a absolute trap game. For Nichols, coming off a big road win over Incarnate Word, knowing right. that you got to win one of the last two games to clinch that auto bid. Lamar, I had someone text me, a coach that or, or, or from a school that played Lamar earlier in the year, and they said that Coach Pete needs to be up for Coach of the Year because that team had Juco-level talent, and he's finding a way to win with it. Depending on which Juco you're talking about. Yeah, he said bad Juco talent. <laughs> so I, I think Lamar has a chance in this game, Coach. They've been playing really well, especially offensively. I, Nichols, I just have a feeling, is going to be looking ahead. They have a big, big rivalry game against Southeastern Louisiana on a Thursday night next week. The worst-case scenario for them is to trip up here, and then they got to go on the road to Southeastern Louisiana win. for a rivalry game where you can throw the records out the window and Southeastern Louisiana has strung together some wins recently. And I'm telling you, Frank Selfo would like nothing more than to see Nichols on their sidelines sad because they gave it, they they choked it away in the final two weeks. So I, I like that one. And I got to find me a second one because everyone gave two and I only picked one this week. Bad podcasting right here, but we're, we're going to, we're going to find one real I'm gonna quick. Give you, uh, while you're looking, I'm going to give the folks I'm going to give the folks two nuggets to take, man. You take the under in the Grambling UAP game, UAP, UAPB game, 53. You take the under in that one, and you take the under in the Cookman game. You take Cookman and the under, 55 and a half. I got it. Give me Campbell plus 11 and a half against Delaware. Oh. With Marcus Yarns' injury potentially not playing this weekend, starting running back, Delaware looked completely different against Elon without Yarns in the lineup. If he's not 100%, Campbell at home with that offense has enough to keep it close. And the CAA, like you said, makes me want to throw up every week because of the chaos. G give me more CAA chaos. Give me Campbell plus 11.5 against Delaware. Man, two scores. I, I like my chances in that one. You don't think Campbell's quit? No. Okay. Uh, well, okay. I say no. I hope not <laughs> with this pick now. So, hope Coach Mentor, man. I know some people from Campbell watch the show. Please don't give up this weekend. I I need this win here because I got to go back and calculate the scores. Um. So, but Coach, uh, Super Dog picks, man. I have Lamar plus thirteen and a half against Nichols. I had Campbell plus eleven and a half against Delaware. Coach had Morgan plus one and a half against South Carolina State, and yes, Townsend plus fifteen and a half against Nova. Man, that is yes, a huge, huge weekend, man. Listen, we've been spot on uh, the last few weeks, man. So go ahead, make you a little bit of money this weekend, because listen, if if the FCS sports book is already saying this, I could guarantee you're going to get even better lines when these bookies that don't 
watch FCS football make all these lines. So you can I'm definitely not. make some money. <laughs> Coach, man, uh, before we get into the pick man, we do have one big game I do want to talk about because it has playoff implications and VFC implications and also possibly talked earlier this week about coach firing implications. Number 11, Southern Illinois, traveling to number 12, North Dakota State this weekend in the Fargo Dome. Coach, the Bison have struggled every single time against elite competition. No signature wins on the resume. Still don't have a ranked win. They're sitting at three and three in conference. A loss this weekend will secure a 500 record in conference for the first time in who knows when. Do the Bison get it done at home over the Salukis? The Salukis know everything you just talked about, and they're going to throw everything plus the kitchen sink. Um, if, if MB can stay away from the crucial mistakes, if they can cut the run, because I got to believe that NDSU is going to go run heavy. Um, I'm talking about more than what they normally do. Uh, if they can cut that water off and keep it tight and not give up the, the points off of special teams or turnovers, MB, I think can do just enough, man, to pull off a huge, huge upset. Um, and this is one that I actually liked uh, in an overtime type situation where we're talking about 27-24, uh, the Saluki Dogs get it moving on. Mm. Yeah. This feels, as I can see both arguments, like this kind of feels like upset alert because the Bison have played really bad against good teams. Southern Illinois just came off a really competitive game against South Dakota but what scares me, Coach, and I'm telling you, Timothy, I'm going to have to block you, man. You've taken all my points here. The offense has consistently regressed this season. I understand they had some injuries at points, but now everyone's kind of returning. It just feels like they lack that juice that they had earlier in the season. We talked about all the weapons. We talked about the experience at quarterback. They just It just hasn't clicked recently like they still are putting up good numbers but it just doesn't seem to have that spark behind it that it did against austin p in that northern illinois matchup against semo missouri state against good competition it, they just seem to kind of fall flat this is a big big game for the salukis vincent davis isaiah hartrup nick baker uh, elliot Rowe elliot coming back from injury again these guys have to have a big game and i just wonder i understand that this isn't the typical North Dakota State year is still going to be tough to go into the Fargo Dome and win. And you're still going to have to play a good game. It just seems like a bad matchup because Southern Illinois has been so bad offensively over the past three, four weeks right now, at least. So who is the upset? Uh, listen, I, I, I can't. I, I'll be honest. I, I don't think I can go the upset this week on this one, Coach. Uh, okay. I wanted to. I, I really have kind of spitballed it around. It just feels like coming home after North Dakota State. I mean, I don't think it was that close, but the feeling around Fargo Fargo right now is that North Dakota State played well enough against South, South Dakota State. I don't believe that, but I think they're <laughs> going to be able to run the football against the Salukis. And I just feel like being at home is going to give them enough advantage to put up enough points to put too much pressure on an inconsistent Saluki offense. I think it's close, but give me the Bison 30-27, a three-point win at home over the Salukis. And they got to have it. They, they got to have it. Because if they, they lose it. both games, we talked about, they're not 
they're not getting in at six and five to the playoffs. And then we're going to have to have that whole another conversation about vegan come back to rescue North Dakota state potentially. And if they got in, it would be off of name alone. Oh, I would. Oh God. You listen. But you, you know that, that is a possibility of happening now. Oh, it is. It is. Cause if you thought the reaction from last season, Montana getting in at seven wins was bad. Let a six win North Dakota state get in. It'd History be bad. Tells us. <laughs> I, 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 I think I think they get it done. Hang on, let me make sure I got the spread here right. Let's see. Six and a half. So I don't have North Dakota State covering the six and a half. You got the Salukis for the upset, so okay. obviously you don't have them covering it. Uh, man, big game. Coach, to our pick them. We're going to start it here. Number six, South Dakota. At number 10, North Dakota. The Battle of the Dakotas. Who gets to win this weekend, man? Is it the Coyotes? Or the fighting hawks. Man, who needs it the worst? You know what I mean? Um, and I gotta believe that the road team takes this one, uh, because they need it the worst. Uh, they can't have this slide continue, so to speak. They've got to start gaining momentum to go forward, mm. uh, to, to get to this thing at the end of the year. So uh, I'm going with the number six team on the road. Uh, in a ups, well, the, it would be an upset because they're the higher ranked team, but uh, I might have said I might have said that backwards. South, South, so South Dakota's at home, so that probably even makes your pick even more comfortable. Oh, ain't no doubt. Okay, so we yeah. had it wrong. Yeah, so that's where <laughs> I, we're going. Okay, I, cool. I, I, I feel you. I, I def I like I like South Dakota in this one, Coach. I've been maybe I'm a hater. I don't know. I've been called the hater of the Fighting Hawks. <laughs> I'm just not a believer in North Dakota. I don't know how people are putting them in the top ten. Nothing about their resume says top 10 program other than a win over North Dakota State, which does not hold the same weight. As early it, as it did, yeah. Yeah, it, it's just not there. I Listen, the fourth-ranked FCS defense in the country for South Dakota, they have one of the most loaded linebacking cores in the country. I, I, I personally think at home with that defense, South Dakota is going to keep it low scoring, and I'm going to take South Dakota over North Dakota this weekend. Coach, the game that I'm going to be at this weekend, a potential Big South OVC clinching game, SEMO at number 21, UT Martin. Do the Skyhawks get it done this weekend and clinch at least a share of the Big South OVC? I, they, they've got it set up to do that. Um, if they don't turn over the ball and just set SEMO up, I think they clinch that thing and get it done. Uh, so I'm going to stay with uh, UT Martin in this one barring the weather as we talked about earlier uh and just not having the the crucial turnovers uh, to put themselves behind the eight ball so i'm taking ut martin the health of paxton deloren is so healthy i mean it, like the the health of paxton deloren is so big in this one if they're without paxton deloren i don't see simo going on the road and beating this ut martin team with how they're rolling especially with that defense led by dalen dotson they have to find a way to run the football with geno hess you listen, UT Martin has leads the conference in rushing yards per game, only 92.8. Have a Bryce, listen, Bryce Norman and Lawrence Johnson have to first force turnovers for SEMO. I think this is going to be close just because SEMO's so experienced. But at home, I like UT Martin to squeak this one out. Give me UT Martin clinching at least to share the Big South OVC as well. Coach, a game that 
a lot of people are probably overlooking in the Ivy League. Penn at number 24, Harvard. Does Harvard keep it rolling this weekend in the Ivy League on their way to a potential Ivy League championship? I like Harvard, man. Um, I think they keep it rolling. Uh, I was trying to get to it. I think they keep it rolling. This is a, a, a feel-good story, so to speak, the way that they've kind of come out about it. And I think they keep it rolling now. It's going to be a good game. But uh, I think CB leads his boys uh, to the victory and uh, keeps that championship hope alive. Yeah. I, Coach, I don't Plus know they, they put can... in more study hours than Penn. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> um, I don't know where they keep finding these quarterbacks, man. That can Har- play, man. Harvard puts in Jaden Craig. He goes for 300 total yards and two touchdowns this past weekend after DePrimov absolutely lights up the scoreboard the first part of the season. They've only committed eight turnovers this season, coach. But also you had um, Hosley, who won the freshman of the week last week. Um, I like Harvard. I think the defensive line is the difference. They're going to be able to slow Penn's rushing attack. And then Harvard is probably going to find another quarterback to come out there and just put up insane numbers out of nowhere. Give me Harvard, especially, especially at home as well. Coach Sanford at number 23, Mercer. Mercer wins. They probably lock up their spot as an at-large bid into the playoffs. The Bulldogs can create pure chaos with an upset this weekend on the road. Do you like your guy Ty James and the Bears, or does Michael Hires and the Bulldogs have one left in them? Man, I like I like, I like, I like Hires, but I just it depends, man. It depends on what Mercer offense shows up, what game plan. I, I, I keep tell you, telling you this. If they've got a lot of TJ in the, this week's game plan, it won't be close. Um, if they don't, Hires has an opportunity to pull off uh, a really big upset. But I'm just going to say that they know more than I know, and there's going to be a lot of TJ in that game plan. So I'm going to go with Mercer and uh, Mercer. And uh, probably have TJ back in the uh, fly zone, man, if they do it right. Well, if you remember, last season, Mercer lost in double overtime. Ty had, th- Ty had 351 receiving yards against Sanford last year. And he wasn't the only one catching the ball. Nope. <laughs> 351. He's had big games against this defense. Sanford has struggled in the secondary it's going to be a whole lot of number 13. I'm going to leave it right there. Give me Mercer. You know what? Not even Mercer. Give me Ty James for the win this weekend to lock up the Bears in the playoffs. I'm with you, Coach. Uh, listen, he is uh, – I know I've had He's him on for an interview. Coach, we're going to have to get him on this show after the season, man, just to He's chop it up and, and break down some film because, man, we just we, we got we to chop it up with Ty. I know he watches the show. Well, yeah, I need to see – we need to see more Ty James this weekend, Mercer. But, Coach, a game that is a big one. For Montana State, at least, Eastern Washington at number five, Montana State, do they get shocked at home or the Bobcats keep rolling? Bobcats keep rolling. <laughs> just that just that simple. No, no upset bid coming. They might be the second hottest team in the country um, behind the number one team. Uh, I just think they've got it, got it going. Uh, if they can play a full game, you know, we talked about that before from start to finish, but I think they are – one of the hottest teams in the country at uh, FCS level. And I just don't see – I don't see this one even being close. So I'm staying with uh, with Montana State on this one. Yeah, it's the brawl of the wild warm-up game. 
Montana, Montana State play next week. It, it's listen, uh, and like Timothy said, Eastern Washington cannot stop the run at all. And if you can't stop the run, the last yeah, team you see coming out of the tunnel <laughs> is that team up uh, up in Bozeman, man. That's a problem. I'm with you. Give me Montana State big this weekend, coach. A game I've already given my I I, I don't know. I, I've given this is my super dog pick. But Lamar at Nichols State, coach, who you got in the Southland matchup? Nichols wakes up just in time to uh, to right the ship, and they win this one in a close uh, close ball game. They wake I up took, just in time. I took Lamar plus 13 and a half. I'm going to go the upset. Give me Lamar on the road, shocking Nichols State. Uh, I, 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 like, I like them shocking Nichols State this weekend on the road. I just – Coach, it's so tough sometimes, especially a team like Nichols that kind of like up until this past weekend, like really wasn't even in the conversation. I, I like I like Lamar um, in this one, Coach. Their defense has scored three touchdowns in the last three games. <laughs> and that's, that's like clutch. Easy. Hey, that, that makes, makes life easy. <laughs> that makes life very easy. But Coach, <laughs> UAC game of the week, Eastern Kentucky at Tarleton State this weekend. Can't. I don't think Tarleton State is getting enough credit. Coach, they are one of only three teams to have a winning record in every season of the transitional period to the FCS, joining South Dakota State and North Dakota State, if I'm not mistaken. The Texans deserve more credit, but do they get it done this weekend against their really, really sneaky Eastern Kentucky team? Most definitely. Um, remember I told you about them a couple yeah. weeks ago? Uh, my bad, my bad, my bad. I, I got to cut that out. Not, It's not Tarleton. It's I, I I had two games written down. Tarleton's in an, our Tarleton. next game. Yeah, it's yeah. Eastern Kentucky at Central Arkansas. Yes, yeah, because Central Arkansas needs this game. Listen, yeah. that loss to Austin P last week kind of knocked Eastern Kentucky out of I, I don't not out of contention. They're both sitting at three and one, but they're at four and five now on the year. They need this win to stay in playoff contention because they got to get the auto bid. Can the can Eastern Kentucky go on the road to Central Arkansas and find a way to win this game? Well. As I was about to say about Tarleton, when they jumped on the map versus UCA, uh, very explosive. And it's the same thing with what I'm saying now about UCA. They have a very explosive offense. Um, They don't lose a lot on the gray and purple turf. Um, So I think this is one they know they have to have. And I think it's got to be an impressive fashion. So don't be surprised if this one here, if they try to check, as you would say, every light on the scoreboard uh, to try to get some style points. But yeah, I think they shut the door on Eastern Kentucky uh, rather quickly and early. I know, I know the running game gets a lot of credit. Will McElvain is having just a ridiculous year this year for central Arkansas. You have David Walker on the other side to Marion Wilson. I, I think at home, central Arkansas keeps it rolling. It sets up a huge game coach. If they win, they have Austin P next week on the road. Yeah. For it all, that for all the marbles in the to. UAC, that might be, be one to go see. I, that's that's on my schedule, because I'm gonna see y'all. Because I don't like to double up on teams, like when I travel. I'm I'm already listen. I've already got y'all penciled into the SWAT championship. I'm gonna see all corn in person in Tallahassee. Fingers crossed. And so I'm gonna go see Austin P. Central Arkansas next week. But I, give give me Central Arkansas in this one, Coach. Now the game I was, I guess, talking about Tarleton State. Abilene Christian this weekend coach can Tarleton State complete this transition period with the, with their final game of the season with a win this weekend definitely um I love what they do offensively they've got a lot of weapons 
and uh, they really, you know, they really can explode uh, at any moment, man. I think they have it, you know, running right now in the right direction. Uh, so I like them to continue on. Uh, like I said before, very explosive offense, got just enough defense. I think this one is uh, Tarleton, easy. Yeah, let's. I, I hate that he transferred from the SWAC. I know you're not, because <laughs> obviously Kayvon Britton is having a All-American type season. Coach, almost 1,000 yards rushing, 13 rushing touchdowns this year. And then you got Darius Cooper. Coach, this guy proposes to his girlfriend before the game. And then gets a huge <laughs> touchdown and does the does the proposing celebration last week. Legendary celebration right there for my guy Darius. Get too many weapons for Tarleton State. Abilene Christian down, trending downwards right now. Give me Tarleton State for the big win and coach the final game. I know who we both want to win, but Prairie View at Southern. Who do you have in this big SWAC matchup? I'm going with the home team. Uh, the home team I feel uh, needs it the most uh, for a lot of reasons not just the win but i think they've got to prove something to themselves and something to the fan base uh i think they come out with a lot more fire more energy and uh, i think they just match it their home fans they match the energy um and it's a game that they've got to have so i'm going with the home team coach nine and a half point favorites I, I, i'm not sure on that but uh at least by one. <laughs> At least by one. Coach, I'm with you. I think I, – I know last week PV bounced back with a win over UAPB, but right now everyone's getting a win over UAPB. I don't really – I don't think that changed the direction of either team. And I just think PV is reeling right now against good competition. It's on the right. road. And I, I, I think the Southern team knows what they're playing for because we've talked about it off air. Everyone knows what th th this team is playing for. I think they're going to come uninspired. If I, this is the last home game, it's going to be senior day. It's a lot to fight for. Give me Southern in a close one over PV, which in turn, uh, as long as you guys handle business on Sunday, man, set up a huge matchup in Tallahassee for the SWAT championship. But, Coach, man, final thoughts on week 11 before we roll out of here. Man, a lot of good football, uh, good, interesting matchups. I uh, want to see how the polls come back after some of these. Uh, just because, you know, you got, what, 11-12 matchup, things like that, uh, just to see how the committee comes back and weighs some of these things. And then there's certain programs, man, that got to see how they get off the mat. You know, we talked about it earlier with the storyline. So, you know, Saturday uh, while traveling and at the hotel, I'll be uh, score surfing and uh, checking out some of this stuff as well and not having to go back on YouTube, but catch some of it live. So, uh, again, Great weekend. It keeps getting better, even though it has flown by, uh, yeah. you know, so the competition is just getting better. I'm, I'm, I'm really, really interested to see on some, how these pro some how, how some of these programs get off the ground. Yeah, uh, I'm, I'm with you on that one. I, I, that's the one good thing for you guys is y'all play on Sunday, but it, it, for you at least, you get to catch some of the games on Saturday and then get to watch some film on Monday on the way back. And man, I, obviously everyone knows what the what the HBCU game of the week is going to be next week. So we'll we'll definitely talk Alcorn Jackson State. I know uh, I know there's a lot of people excited for that one. But coach, man, appreciate you again, man. Good luck on Sunday, Thank you. guys. We're gonna be back. 
Monday. We might push the show back a little bit time-wise because my guy Coach is going to be headed back from Houston back to Lorman after that Texas Southern game on Sunday. So stay tuned. Just uh, make sure to click the notification bell so you get notified when we set the live time. You guys hit the like button, subscribe, and you can check out the replay on all podcasts from the platforms. Check out the website, si.com, backslash college, backslash FCS. And me and Coach will be back on Monday, guys. But for Coach Fred, for myself, for the Blue Bloods, FCS Football Central, we are out for right now.